if it works, and if we do everything just right, I might feel real good. He says, I could sleep in a bed, maybe even ride my motorcycle again. The way we're taught in med school is our job is to prolong life, and that's what you do. And that's actually not evil. It just doesn't always work. From the University of Colorado, this is Hard Call, the show about the tough choices we're asked to make about our health, where answers aren't correct or incorrect, but they can be right or wrong, and where you get to vote on what you think is the right call. I'm Dr. Matt Winnia. And I'm Elaine Grant. And this is the third installment in our four-part series, The Electronic Heart. So we're following the story of a real patient who was dying of heart failure. We're calling him Max to protect his privacy. Previously on Hard Call, Max had decided he wanted to try to get an LVAD, essentially a partial artificial heart. A pump attached directly to the heart's left ventricle. That keeps the blood moving around your body, although often without a heartbeat or a pulse. A cardiologist suggested it, and after some thought, Max decided he wanted it. He wasn't ready to die, which he would soon without it. But it turns out this choice wasn't just Max's to make. Major medical decisions aren't like other decisions. Uh, if Max wanted to go out and buy a motorcycle, if he could afford it, he could just go out and buy one. But you can't just pick up an LVAD at your local hardware store. So even after Max decided to go for it, a team of doctors and social workers had to decide whether he was a good candidate to get one. There are so many things that can go wrong. I mean, at one extreme, he could die on the operating table, or he could have a stroke or a major bleed or get an incurable infection. But then at the other extreme, it could be great. I mean, he really could feel better, maybe even ride his motorcycle, or maybe the most likely scenario, he could fall somewhere in between with some benefits but also some complications. The doctors had to assess whether all the possible benefits would outweigh all the possible risks or not. And even more challenging, they had to decide whether they thought Max and his daughter could handle it. What if something were to go wrong with the equipment and there wasn't anyone competent around to fix it? The medical team had grave doubts about whether Max's daughter, Sheila, could take care of him. Would she be able to keep the equipment sterile? and avoid a really horrible infection. What would she do if the power source malfunctioned in the middle of the night? On the other hand, who were they to second guess her abilities if she says she can do it? And what would it mean for them to deny him a chance at an LVAD? Not because it wouldn't work medically, but because they doubted his daughter's abilities? Yeah, there are very good reasons why a lot of people worry about doctors making decisions based on their patient's social circumstances instead of using purely medical criteria. And that's even though we know social circumstances can affect medical outcomes. You mean like a daughter at home not doing a good job or someone is drinking? Yeah, or... right. I mean, you know, we'd like to believe every medical decision is based only on facts and figures. But in the end, success sometimes depends on relationships, social supports, the ability of your daughter. So at the end of the last episode, we asked you to vote if you were a doctor on Max's team, would you give him the LVAD or not? So you can see how people have voted so far by visiting our website, hardcallshow.org. 
And you can still vote on that question and join the conversation about why social circumstances matter or why they shouldn't in this kind of a decision. However you might have voted, here's what really happened to Max. The team was sharply divided, but in the end, they swallowed their concerns and said, yes, largely because of the ethical problems involved in doctors judging whether a caregiver is intelligent or stable enough. Max then underwent the long open heart surgery and he got the LVAD. He even made it through inpatient rehabilitation. But for him, now, several months later, Getting the LVAD still hasn't been a rousing success. It hasn't panned out like like people told me it would. I, I thought I'd get a chance to do some things, and I thought maybe I'd actually get to ride my motorcycle again, and I haven't, I haven't left the house. So naturally, Max is really disappointed. And that's not unusual when it comes to heroic treatments like this. Patients really get their hopes up, and it's not necessarily even because doctors have painted a rosy picture. Sometimes it's because of things they saw on TV. Over and over again. TV doctors are notoriously wrong, but most of us are unaware of how TV writers stretch the truth in favor of heroics working against scientific fact. I found this great example from Grey's Anatomy when intern Izzy falls in love with a young heart patient named Denny. He has an LVAD while he awaits a heart transplant, but the transplant's not forthcoming. So she's scared he'll die soon, and she secretly cuts his LVAD wire. In the show, the idea is that doing so will make him sicker so that he'll move to first place on the heart transplant list. Here's what happens in the aftermath. I cut the LVAD wire. Actually, I cut the LVAD no, wire. No, I didn't. I'm the one who cut the wire. Fine, I cut the LVAD wire. I didn't do anything. I'm totally innocent. I know who did this, so you might as well come clean. I know. With all due respect, sir, if you knew, you wouldn't be asking us. I did. You have your suspicions, but you don't actually know. Oh, for sure. And you can't do anything to any of us without proof, sir. Well, one of you compromised a patient's life. One of you stole an organ. Okay, this whole idea is nuts. I mean, first of all, if an LVAD wire were to be cut on someone whose heart function had stopped, they wouldn't get sicker. They would die. I mean, we'll talk more about that later. But in Grey's Anatomy, Denny lived to get a heart. And it's this sort of fiction, which happens a lot on TV, that contributes to the idea that heroic measures usually work. That's right. CPR hardly ever works in real life. Sometimes, but not often. But there are studies of this. On TV, they make it work all the time. And it looks painless, right? And it looks painless. Yeah. So this is perhaps one reason why Max is so disappointed in his life after getting his LVAD. Right. Yeah, Max, he is still alive, uh, which he probably wouldn't have been otherwise. But he's also not doing nearly as well as he'd hoped. It's been months at this point since the surgery, and Max still feels lousy. He can't do any of the things that... The, the things that really made life worth living for him. So, yeah, he's alive, not dead, but he says he's not really living either. He's just sort of in between. And now he's back in the hospital again, and doctors have just told him that his device has become infected. And that is very bad news. 
The doctors have said this, with this infection, it's incurable. Once metal in your body gets infected, the only way to fix it would be to remove it, treat him with antibiotics for a while, and then put a new one back in. But that's not an option for Max, because he's too frail. He wouldn't survive even a short period of time with the Alvet out. And ultimately, that's going to lead us to our next hard call. But first, Max is really confused. If you remember from our first episode, an LVAD is a pump. In some ways, it actually is like something you'd buy at a plumbing supply store. It moves blood around the body almost silently, without a heartbeat, like water flowing through pipes. And Max understands that, right? He's, he's, he understands pumps, so he's gotten used to the idea that he could be alive without a pulse. What Max cannot wrap his head around is... How do I die? With, with this LVAD, how do I... How do I die? With blood still pumping, machine still on, blood still moving. I don't know. No one's told me yet. We all wonder how we might die. But Max is facing a version of this question that not many of us have had to consider in the past. But it's becoming more common. If you've got a life-sustaining medical device, a machine implanted in you that's keeping you alive, what does it look like to die? And in the midst of this uncertainty, Max thought maybe he shouldn't just leave this to chance. I mean, it's understandable. He's feeling awful. He has an incurable infection, which, by the way, is causing both fever and pretty terrible abdominal pain. And now he's being told he'll never leave this hospital alive. So maybe, he thinks, just maybe, he should take control of his own death. So he made a decision and a request. I want the doctors to turn it off. I want to be done. Turn it off. Here's where Max's story, this case, gets really sticky. If Max's LVAD is turned off, he will almost certainly die, and not over hours or days, but in a matter of minutes. Patients die almost immediately. I call Larry Allen. You'll remember him from our prior episodes. So I'm the medical director for Advanced Heart Failure at the University of Colorado. He's thought a lot about this. There's some, been some series where we look at 20 patients who've had their device turned off, and what does death look like? And the majority actually pass out within seconds, and almost all of those patients are dead in 20 minutes. As a layperson, I wondered, what are the rules around this? Is turning off an LVAD or another device, say a pacemaker, the same as physician-assisted death? After all, Max was conscious. He was talking. He was pretty clear-headed, it seemed. He wasn't breathing his last breath. But the prediction was that that would happen soon. Although, as Max said, just how you breathe your last breath with an LVAD working away wasn't clear. So here's how the rules generally work. A patient who's competent has a right to withdraw any treatment, the same as they have a right not to start a treatment in the first place. In fact, many ethicists, including me, think withdrawing treatment should be an easier decision to defend than not starting a treatment to begin with. After all, if you're stopping a treatment, that means at least the patient gave it a shot to find out if it would work or not before deciding against it. If you don't start the treatment to begin with, you aren't even giving it a chance to work. But I have to admit, that turns out to be a pretty 
philosophical, sort of hypothetical, analytic way of thinking. In, in the real world, it is emotionally much harder for us to stop a treatment than it is to decide not to start it. And I think that's because not starting a treatment feels passive, like you're just standing back and letting the natural disease take its course. Once a treatment plan has begun, it feels more active to choose to stop it. And making an active decision that is likely to result in someone dying, it's a lot more gut-wrenching, no matter how you philosophize it. So what about physician-assisted death? Uh, right. So you asked, was this equal to physician-assisted death? Exactly. Well, so it turns out in either event, whether you're stopping a treatment or not starting one, ethically and also legally speaking, neither of those is the same as physician-assisted death. Okay. So, so that's when a physician prescribes a drug that a person can then take themselves that is intended specifically to end their life not to relieve pain or for any other purpose, but to end their life. So it's not stopping something. It's actually taking something new that's intended to cause death. Uh-huh. So that's not the case with Max. Right. Uh, you know, there are, there are a growing number of states and counties, including our own state of Colorado, where physician-assisted death is now legal. But it's still very controversial. And we could maybe talk about that in some future episode. But, but Max's case is actually even more complicated. Right, because he decided he wanted to have the LVAD turned off over the weekend when he was in the hospital in the cardiac intensive care unit, and the attending cardiologist in the unit that weekend, number one, didn't know him very well, and that doctor... That doctor said no, he wouldn't do it. In his mind... Right, he, we should say he is deeply religious. And he said that his personal view, turning off the LVAD would be tantamount to murder because... Because Max would probably die within just a few minutes. In this doctor's view, turning off the LVAD would be killing his patient. So even if it's legally allowed, and even if the patient wants it, he won't do it because of his deeply held religious beliefs about the sanctity of life. So as you can imagine, when this happened, some of the nurses and other members of the team were upset. They felt the physician was not respecting the patient's wishes. But these other team members aren't allowed to write orders. So they can't turn off the LVAD without that doctor's permission. So I have to stop here because I don't really understand something. And that is, whose right is it? Say I'm a patient and I say, I don't want this antibiotic anymore. I don't want this device anymore. Am I in charge? Do I get to say that? Is that legal? Uh, so in theory, yes. Uh, if you're competent, you can ask to have any treatment stopped, period. Okay, that's what you said before. Right. And that's sort of what happened here, except that this doctor said, I won't stop this because even though you, you know, you may have that legal right, but I feel deeply morally opposed to it. So I won't be a party to it. And so the nurses and the other clinicians, the other members yeah, of the staff. they're stuck. They're stuck because they feel like the patient's wishes should always be respected? Well, whether they feel they should always be or only in this case, they are stuck. Whether they feel like they should always be respected or only in this case, they are stuck. Uh, because the, the nurses are in a moral dilemma here, right? They're being compelled to do something 
that they believe is morally wrong. Which is not to withdraw treatment. Exactly. So one way or the other, someone is really upset. Someone is compelled to do something they believe is morally wrong, right? Either the doctor, in which case the doctor gets to have his way, or the nurse who now is forced to continue to provide care to a patient whom she believes or he believes should have had this treatment stopped because the patient wanted it stopped. So now the nurse is experiencing what we call moral distress, where you're required by an institutional structure to do something that you believe to be morally wrong. This sounds really difficult. And so this doctor wouldn't accede to Max's wishes. And he wouldn't transfer Max's care to someone else who would be willing to write the order to turn off the LVAD, because in his mind, that would make him complicit in a killing. Exactly. And the nurses and others are feeling this moral distress because now they are being forced to be complicit in Max's continued suffering. What a mess. So that's what we'll be asking you to vote on in a little bit. Should the doctor be required to follow Max's wishes and turn off the LVAD, or at least allow someone else to turn it off, even if doing so would fly in the face of his own conscience. So in ethics, this is what we call the issue of professional conscience. And it actually applies to a lot of us when something comes up in our job that might force us to do something that conflicts with our personal values. And this is not just doctors, right? One of the most famous instances of this recently was Kim Davis, the Kentucky County clerk. She's the one who was jailed for refusing to grant marriage licenses to gay and lesbian couples back in 2015. Kim Davis loves her job. She loves people. She loves God. And she's not going to violate her conscience. That's one thing that's very clear in her mind. She's prepared for whatever consequences there may be. We can't allow politicians to subordinate the law to their own private religious beliefs. Hearing will be held in the morning. Ms. Davis cited religious liberty, but the broader question was really, did she have a responsibility to fulfill the duties of her position, which included signing off on legal marriage licenses, even if that might make her complicit in something she opposed personally, based on her religious beliefs? Or for that matter, when does anyone have to perform a particular duty of their profession regardless of their personal values? That's the question we're asking. Should religious, spiritual values, one person's conscience, should that always take precedence? There are a lot of jobs where professional conscience comes into play. The Kim Davis case happened to get a ton of attention because it was such a controversial issue. But similar cases have occurred around pharmacists who have refused to fill prescriptions for birth control pills or for the morning after pill. And we should say Kim Davis spent some time in jail over this issue. But it's not clear that the doctor who refused Max's request was violating any laws or even any hospital rules. And that'll be our question. Should Max's doctor have the last word? Or if Max wants the LVAD turned off, but this doctor feels it's wrong, should there be a rule requiring him to help Max find another doctor who will turn it off? This is really tough. So we went to two people to help us lay out the stakes. The first is Dr. Haider Wareich. I am a fellow in cardiology at uh, Duke University Medical Center. And as a cardiologist at Duke, he has implanted a lot of LVADs. Duke placed more LVADs last year than any other medical center in the world. He also writes a lot about medicine. I write for the New York Times, uh, The Atlantic, 
uh, The Guardian, um, but also have contributed to The LA Times, Boston Globe, The Wall Street Journal. Well, Reich is particularly concerned with the question at the heart of this story. As medicine advances and more and more of us can use technology to prolong our lives, how do we choose to die? And if I'm the patient and my loved one and I disagree, or my doctor and I disagree, who gets to decide? How much freedom do I have over my own death? Dr. Wareish has a new book on this very topic. The book is called uh, Modern Death, How Medicine Changed the End of Life. How did you become so fascinated with this particular subject? I think it's very hard to be a practicing physician or a person these days and not think about just how much death and dying have changed, especially as a physician. You know, I've, I've been in these situations many, many times. And as physicians, we get trained to check the boxes the, and to take care of the logistics when it comes to death and dying. But really, I think we aren't taught anything beyond beyond that about, you know, the research that is surrounding death and dying, about the history and the evolution of how um, you know, intensive care has changed and life support has changed. Elaine, see, you asked Dr. Wareish what he thought about Max's doctor refusing to turn off the LVAD. I did, and here's what he said. If you ask me, there, there are many treatments that we provide patients that can sustain their bodies for a long period of time. These include dialysis to keep people's kidneys going, breathing machines to keep their lungs going, and of course, LVADs to keep their hearts going beyond a point where they're able to sustain them by themselves. I think now we're in the fourth or fifth decade of uh, these treatments being widely available. And for every other you know, advance that we have, I think it is generally now well accepted that those that patients and their family members who can speak for them have the right to withdraw these treatments if they deem them to be inconsistent with their own life goals. And I think we should use the same standard uh, for an LVAD device too. If a patient feels that an LVAD is not consistent with their life goals, then they have the right to have that device turned off uh, as long as you know they have the capacity to make that decision themselves. And that wouldn't have been a problem in Max's case. Max was conscious and appeared to be cognitively sound, which is necessary for informed consent. But Max's wishes and the doctor's beliefs, as we've said, were completely in conflict with each other. And that does raise the question of whose beliefs matter more in this case. Who is more powerful? Who should be more powerful? So I asked Dr. Reich about that. And, you know, what he said made me realize that, well, I might think the answer is sort of a fixed thing. My values are always the same, and so are societies. In fact, history tells us that the way we decide these things changes over time. And that makes these decisions cultural. He pointed in particular to the famous case of Karen Quinlan. She was the woman who wound up in a persistent vegetative state in 1975. She was on a ventilator, and her parents felt that the ventilator was causing her pain and that it was the use of extraordinary means to keep her alive. They wanted the doctors to withdraw it. But doctors apparently felt very strongly that to do so would be homicide. So the case made news all over the world. It went to court. A lower court in New Jersey denied the parents, and they took it to the New Jersey Supreme Court. The New Jersey Supreme Court ultimately sided with the parents. Dr. Warreich argues that in the decades since that court ruling, doctors have become largely comfortable with treatment withdrawal. But not all physicians, obviously, and not for all treatments. It turns out 
Some doctors think it's okay to withdraw some types of treatments, but not others. Such as? Well, for instance, some doctors feel like turning off an implanted device, like an LVAD, is different than stopping a drug or stopping a ventilator, which is outside your body for the most part. Some say a device that's implanted becomes a part of you. So taking it out or turning it off would be like taking out or turning off your liver. So it's sort of like an artificial hip. I mean, no one would take out an artificial hip, right? Uh, actually, if an artificial hip gets infected, we do take them out. But yes, I mean, they feel like it's a part of your body. So then there was also the religious question. And we wanted to understand better the beliefs that would drive the doctor to say, absolutely not, I cannot do this. So I called in another expert. My name is Jenny Kraska. I'm the executive director for the Colorado Catholic Conference. And the conference is the lobbying and public policy arm of the three Catholic dioceses here in Colorado. My master's degree is in Catholic studies, and I also have a law degree. So she seemed like the perfect person to ask about how a believer might approach this decision. And what she said sounded simple. I think that according to Catholic principles and how we look at sort of these types of um, decisions is is we look at the benefits versus the burdens. And is there a greater burden by um, keeping this person alive and and prolonging this treatment? Or are there benefits still to this person's life? and, And do the benefits outweigh the burden? Now, she acknowledged that Max was in pain. But then again, just because someone is in pain hardly means it's obvious their life should end. As a doctor and somebody whose conscience is coming into this decision, I feel that the benefits outweigh the burdens and therefore couldn't justify killing what I would deem killing a patient in the doctor's view by turning off the LVAD. Here's Heider Wareich again. He's a Muslim, but his view is that he's a doctor first before he's a religious person. I think that, you know, within medicine, we have a very, um, very clear-cut code by which we operate. And that code uh, transcends religion, uh, transcends whatever spiritual background people have. And I feel like um, when I'm working as a physician, I make sure that not only my religious values, but any other values that I have with regards to, you know, what I believe in about, you know, what is a good life, what is a bad life, what is a good death, what is a bad death, I keep those separate. And I really focus on what are the patient's values. I think physicians should not be able to impose any type of their own personal value uh, on patients, especially when it is not in agreement with with what the patient themselves believes. Uh, There was a time when we used to do that all the time. You know, physicians just made very arbitrary decisions about who was worth living and who was worth letting go. And those were dark times for us as a profession. And I wouldn't want to go back there at all. Well, okay. So the doctor seems to think the decision should totally be in the patient's hands. But Matt, I remember very clearly when my father was dying and he wasn't conscious, I could not bring myself to say, yes, turn off his ventilator. It was just too hard. So the doctor said, you can turn it off now and save him some suffering, or he's going to die in a few days. And so that gave me the ability to say, yes, go ahead and turn it off. And I was very grateful for the doctor saying that because it didn't feel like it was up to me. I didn't have to make that decision to end my father's life. Yeah. So if um, if we pull this apart, there are several reasons why this is such a tough call. First, there's this religious or spiritual issue on the Catholic side. Jenny has said 
the doctor has an obligation to weigh the benefit of Max's life over the burden of his pain and illness and decide whether to continue any particular therapies, including the LVAD. And she says, just because a patient like Max might think his life is no longer worth living, that doesn't mean the doctor should turn off the LVAD. The doctor is supposed to do his own assessment, make his own decision. And then there's Dr. Warreich, who says doctors shouldn't impose their own personal values. But then as the loved one of a patient or the patient themselves, do I want all that responsibility? And here we're really talking about some classic tensions in medical ethics between autonomy, or the patient's right to make their own decisions, or the family's right to make decisions in your case, and another principle called beneficence, or making decisions that are in the patient's best interest, or at least what the doctor thinks is the patient's best interest. And a lot of people call that paternalism, but as you've pointed out, Elaine, sometimes patients and families really do want to be told what to do in these really tough cases. And of course, that's why many people come to see a doctor, is to get advice on what to do. So not every patient is going to appreciate it if a doctor says, well, hey, I've given you the information. It's up to you to decide. In fact, there's even good research on this. There was a well-known study out of my former institution, the University of Chicago. Two-thirds of hospitalized patients said they actually preferred that their physician make the final call on some important medical decisions like this. Two-thirds. So then there's another issue. Max has the legal right to withdraw treatment. That was what Dr. Warreich was referring to in the Karen Quinlan case. What if Max isn't entirely sure? I bet more often than not, patients like Max aren't certain about what to do. Right. These are very high-stakes decisions, and it's common. Uh, Patients change their minds about treatment options multiple times toward the end of their lives. And remember, too, Max has a fever. He's in pain. Maybe he'll change his mind if his fever comes down and his pain is better controlled. Or maybe he won't. That's another problem, though. Often, we just can't know if he will or won't think differently about this in the future. But we know for sure turning off his LVAD will be a final decision. Right, and that's another way in which this is different from some other decisions to withdraw treatment. We talked earlier about the Karen Quinlan case. Mm You, you know, what happened when they withdrew her ventilator, she kept breathing. For a long time. For a long time. Uh-huh. And that's common, actually, when you withdraw therapy. If you turn off someone's um, implantable defibrillator, if you turn off someone's pacemaker, uh, if you withdraw a ventilator, often they will continue to live for some time until the natural disease takes them. With an LVAD, as uh, Dr. Allen said earlier, It's basically um, a tube attached to your heart with a rotor in it. If you turn that rotor off, it becomes just a tube attached to your heart, and all your blood pools into that tube, or a bunch of blood does, which is why you pass out so quickly and die within minutes. So to the doctor, this feels different than pulling out a ventilator tube. This feels like turning off someone's switch. So it feels like killing somebody. Right. And and this is why I think this dilemma is even much harder than many other decisions about whether to withdraw treatment and when to withdraw treatment. Okay, listeners, you are at your next hard call. 
do you think there should be a requirement for the doctor to either turn off the LVAD at Max's request or transfer his care to another doctor who will do it? Or should the doctor be allowed to follow his personal conscience and refuse to be complicit in letting someone, anyone, turn off Max's LVAD? Go to our website, hardcallshow.org, and vote. There's also an online discussion there. Tell us why you feel the way you do. Hard Call is a production of the University of Colorado Center for Bioethics and Humanities. It's produced by me, Elaine Appleton-Grant, and by my co-host, Dr. Matthew Winia. Actor Robert Michael Sanders played Max. Music was composed by Andrew Randall and Chris McClung. We had theatrical assistance from Charles Packard, former executive director of the Aurora Fox Theater in Aurora, Colorado. Special thanks to our Hard Call Humanities Advisory Team, Dr. Abraham Nussbaum and Professors Tess Jones, Philip Joseph, and Lisa Karanen. And finally, Colleen McKelvinen and Drs. Dan Matlock and Larry Allen provided invaluable clinical guidance as we produced Max's story. If you'd like to be the first to know when our next series comes out, please sign up on our mailing list at hardcallshow.org. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Hard Call Show. So, Elaine, I suppose it's not a spoiler at this point to let our audience know that Max, the real Max, has died. You might have even figured that out. That's why we've got an actor playing his part for this podcast. But you probably will be surprised at how it finally happened and at the wrenching question his death posed for his family and his care team. Next up on Hard Call, we'll tackle the ultimate question. How do you figure out what a few months of additional life is worth? When you tell people, hey, would you like to live longer or not? It seems like a no-brainer. But maybe what we need to do is we need to give people a sense of what life is like.